based on like deals I've done in the past, like to get acquired, I always took the safer route. I didn't bet on myself. Mm. I bet on let me take the more stable option. And I think in this case, I was like, I've seen, I think it's like learning like, okay, I think I know what I'm capable of. I think I know what I, how much work I'm going to bring to the table and what I'm going to, I think I can make that happen for myself. So let me bet on me this time. Yeah. And only do one. I get that. And then, and then say, I think this is going to blow it out of the water and I want the opportunity in the future to be able to go back and have the leverage of like, I didn't already sell the second one. You know, they say women shouldn't be bossy. We're out here reclaiming that word. What's so wrong with being the boss? I'm Tara Reed, the CEO of a multi-million dollar ed tech business. And I'm Katie Gaddy Tossan, better known as Money with Katie on the internet. At our core, we're driven by a shared ambition to build our own mini empires. Welcome to Bossy. Okay, I'm really excited about this conversation. Let me guess why. We're talking about deals, doing deals. You love a deal. I love a good deal. Okay, I need Woo! to I need to borrow some of your enthusiasm about yeah, this. Yeah, this is this why gives I love me major imposter syndrome. Doing deals? This yeah. is why I love playing Monopoly. Bro. All the time. The Monopoly obsession, I don't get. I don't get it. I'm obsessed. I play, like, you know, like, you would look at the screen time on your iPhone and it tells you how much time you spend on different devices. Like, yes. I think I spend a lot of time. I sent you a screenshot of this. Do you remember what it oh, was? Oh, yeah. It was, like, nine hours a week. Nine hours a week. That's, that's about right. That is, like, when I'm that's done That's over working, an hour a day. Is that just so? how you decompress? <laughs> Yeah, like Dude. when I'm done. Yeah, so when I'm done working, I sit on the couch, I put on silly reality TV, and I start a game of Monopoly. Like that's my decompress. And the reason I love Monopoly is like Monopoly is a game of doing deals. It's a game of strategy. It's a game of concentrated positions. You can't win Monopoly by like, oh, let me like spread myself across, dilly like, dallying around the board. You don't dilly dally, right? No. So like my strategy, you double, down. you double down. So like my, and often people talk about Monopoly takes a long time. Like, oh, that's a game that takes forever. Yeah. Well, well as evidenced by the nine hours a week. Well, that's I'm getting multiple games in. Fair because Chris. the game goes fast if you have high, you've got some risk tolerance. If everybody has low risk tolerance, the game takes forever because no one wants to make a big move. Mm. So, like, my strategy with Monopoly is, like, we go a couple rounds and I sort of just, like, lay out, lay, lay cool, see how things land. And then I pick a color property I'm going to go after and I just like go in. Whatever deal I got to do, even if it's a seemingly unreasonable deal, I'll pay you 3x for that <laughs> property because I want to get to position fast. I won't pay like way too much for the property, but like I'll pay you more. 3x though. 3x is fine. Usually 2, two 2.5. I was going to say 3 is a little aggressive. Three's aggressive. But like if people aren't budging, I'm going to get in there provided that I still got enough cash reserves and this is funny because it like mirrors my business strategy i think i was just gonna say man maybe this is why i'm not comfortable with this because my decompression is just like scrolling reddit so i think i need to i think i need to to be more strategic about my downtime i mean whatever is fun but like for me it's fun and the whole time i'm reading the other players and their relationship with risk so i can tell like oh you're not willing to go to zero read me what's my relationship with risk be direct. Great. Okay, so you hurt got, my feelings. So you got some riskiness because you're an entrepreneur, and like you've got to have some to even do this at all. So mm-hmm. like it's not really low. Um, I think if I had to put it on like a scale of ten, like one to ten, I love to put stuff on scales of ten. If I put it scale one to ten, I would maybe put it at and seven's not allowed. No seven. Because seven's the like 
cop I have out. a number in my head of what I think I am. I'm maybe like a five or a six. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, which yeah. one? Five or six. I was going to say like a six. Because I think I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little comfortable with it. But I yeah. think there, there are areas of business where I feel super out of my depth. Yeah. And I think doing deals, I always feel like Donald Trump when I say, like, doing I feel like I have deal. to do like a Long Island accent, like doing deals. Oh, interesting. Because you feel like that means that doing deals maybe feels like a sleazy thing to you. Does that imply that? It just, it's, there's something, it just feels so apprenticey. Like, I feel like I need to be in like a guild like Trump Tower. But mm. so this is what I wanted to ask you about, though. Can you give me some like examples? Like, I, I think when I'm hearing this, what I'm struggling with is picturing what this would look like for me. But I think in order to get there, I need to know, like, when I think of doing deals, I'm thinking like, okay, you're not just running a company. You're not just running a business. You're like building an empire. You're yeah. like, you know what I mean? It's like sprawling. That's yes. kind of the sense I get. Yes. When I think about that, I often think about like Walt Disney. Have you seen that Walt Disney yeah. drawing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did really early on where it has like all of the different like parts of the organization. There's like TV and production. There's merchandise. There's like all these different things, licensing to all kinds of things. And there's a line between each of the different parts mm-hmm. of the org chart. And it talks about like what the relationship is between yes. each of the segments. Like yeah. I love businesses that are creating these like, to your point, empires and mm-hmm. structures. These like whole ecosystems that, that kind of like ecosystem. boost one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of a flywheel. Fly, like yes. I'm hitting you with a lot of jargon right now. But. We're in the flywheel MBA synergy synergies business words. Run it up the chain. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> run it up the chain. There's a really funny. Um, it's like a BuzzFeed video, and they make a rap song out oh, of like no way. out of like all the the corporate lingo. Circle back. Circle. I want to. Ru- yeah, circle back. Exactly. Touch but they're base. like beatboxing. Touch. Base. Have you seen that? It's no, but I just hear words all day long, so I feel like I could write this rap myself yeah, right yeah, now yeah. we're gonna table that like all of those oh, things yeah. <laughs> for a second i was like oh okay we can table it what are no, we no, no, you're like yeah i know those words yeah they're like all things like you don't say in real life but you say it at work and it like doesn't even make any sense yeah i yeah. maybe that should be our I'll new thing to is to bring yeah send it to me we should we should bring back uh the the corporate jargon in personal relationships no we should not <laughs> or do the opposite where we just start speaking very directly to I one think another or companies yeah people should just say the real thing say like what it actually means no one knows what that acronym is bruh well help me with the so okay help me with the empire thing yes. what's what's an example okay well i think my favorite empire is talking about disney that's not my favorite yeah my favorite is lvmh louis vuitton moet hennessy well i like louis vuitton which is already Tell me like more. giving you empire conglomerate vibes just in the name yeah it's a little yeah. it's almost a little confusing yeah to me where well, i'm like wait a second hennessy what like yeah, because the brand is not the individual brand. So LVMH is like this holding company that owns like Sephora, Dior, Louis Vuitton, Givenchy, Fendi, like a bunch of yeah. Tiffany and Company, um, like a bunch of brands they own, a bunch of um, alcohol brands too. Like everything that's like luxury, they got it. And so this guy, Bernard Arnault, started it. And he kind of like started his journey. He was working in his family construction business. The family like kind of already had, there was some money to start with. Okay. So, like, this is not, like, rags to riches kind of story. However, the amount of, like, doubling of growth, not doubling, way more than doubling of growth, like, you still have to give him credit for. So I feel you. Okay. Yeah. So there was a market crash. He was living in, like, he's from France. Can you give me, like, a time period? Like, what am I picturing? I think this is, like, 80s. Okay. Okay. Mid-80s. That would make sense. Market crash. Market crash. Yeah. There's a bunch of distressed companies, and he buys this, like, 
bankrupt textile company. Huh. And the French government had this program where you could buy a distressed business for like one franc. Like a dollar. Oh. Yes. Because they're just trying to like stimulate economic They're trying to stimulate the economy, but you got to take on the debt of the business. Oh, big catch. Big catch. catch. You got to take on the debt. But like... You might have, like, there's a lot of scenarios where, like, the assets are worth more than the debt. Right, 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 right. People want to, you have to find a buyer who's willing to to sell off the companies, get them back yeah. working, replenish every, anything. If there's a factory that's broken out. Like, there's a lot of work, so you yeah. have to find the right buyer. But there's a lot of deals and scenarios in general where, like, the assets are just worth more than the oh, debt. yeah, like if you were to liquidate everything, you'd be like, okay, you well, got to do the work. Yeah. Right. So this is exactly, I don't know exactly what, how much debt he took on, but like okay. he starts by getting a good ass deal. All right. Right. Good ass deal. Good ass deal. Putting <laughs> that so, house on board. Yeah. Wall. So this is mine now. Monopoly. Right. So, so of the, the textile company, there are a couple different companies inside that are owned by this and Christian Dior is one. Oh, Christian Dior is one and like at a department store too. So he huh. sells off all of the other assets. He keeps those two Christian Dior. And the I wonder store. why those were the two he kept. Like, I wonder when what he, was, he was thinking. Yeah. 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 Like, I think that'd be where I would get stuck. It's like, all right, what's valuable. I mean, I wonder if that's just gut instinct. Would you make your decision based on like what goes together vibes. or what straight vibes, just not kidding. a P I feel like you make no, it, you're kidding. like, show me the no, numbers. No, yeah, no, no, no. It would be, it would be a, I want to see a spreadsheet. Yeah. I wonder if like. Those... Show me that Excel 87. Like I need to see yeah. the. <laughs> I wonder if he sold off like the best assets or kept, like kept Right? Like that's assets. what I'm saying is I feel like there's probably, I'm mm. sure there was a strategy there. It obviously worked, but I wonder what the underlying thought process was. Of, like I need to get some cash quickly. So I'm going to keep yeah. the shittiest stuff or like what these things show done? the most promise probably would have kept the things that show the most promise, assuming that yeah. I can actually then create, even if I'm cash flow negative for longer, these things have most growth potential, but that's high risk tolerance. So I'm like an, I'm like an eight really. That's you might have graduated me. to an eight. Hey. Okay. <laughs> okay. So okay, he so keeps the two. He keeps the two. Like four years later, he takes 15 million. I know that sounds like a lot, but it's like the company's now worth like 400 billion. So like Bill- with a B? B. Yeah. Yeah. So 400 billion. This is why I was like, you still have to give him credit for like the oh increase. Oh my God. The increase. So, um, and I always hate by the way, when people say like what the company is worth, because like. How did you value it? What, like, I just feel like it doesn't. Yeah, and, like, tech multiples are, like, 300 times. Yeah, and also, like, even when people talk about celebrities, and like, this person's worth this and has this net worth. And like, like, I want to see what's in the Chase I'm account. skeptical. I want to see what you actually have liquid No, because, like, access. cash is not, like, net worth, but yes, right, like. I, but as a personal finance person, I'm like, is that yes. person, are they worth, like, the, the layperson right. here is, oh, you're worth $100 billion. It's like, that's not, but that's, that's not yes. accessible money so just to translate that so let me translate that because i want to hear revenue usually that Mm. business revenue which is i think the equivalent for a person of like bank account yeah 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 so from a revenue perspective yeah like that gives me better idea than what company's worth yeah so now if you look fast forward lvmh i was saying it was it's currently worth maybe like 400 billion but they still do 53 billion a year Right, that gives you a sense. Like it's not like a small company. Right? Fifty three billion. So he takes fifteen million, turns it into fifty three billion per year. 
Right. Okay. So what he does is he takes some of this money okay. from the companies that are running, and he buys a stake in in Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy. They had been like trying to do some deals together. Those companies, Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy, already oh. they already existed, and he kind of does this like aggressive deal to buy his way in, and it kind of like it's borderline hostile takeover. Oh, to be oh, which like I'm into. Oh. <laughs> I'm into it. You're yeah. into the hostel, the, the PE style. I'm in, I'm in, it's fascinating to hear about, right? Oh. So there's actually a really good episode. It's a, a podcast called Acquired. Mm. They like go into depth of this. Essentially, like if you fast forward, he's bought like 70 companies. Oh my way. God. And there's this whole conglomerate of like all these businesses. Um, and I think that's my favorite empire. What, do you have a favorite empire? Yeah, but I'm about to reveal my... My basic bitch taste. <laughs> What's the empire? I, okay. <laughs> I feel like it's almost, I don't want to say borderline cancelable because it's not cancelable, but I love the Kardashians and I feel like. Some, bitch, me too. Kardashians but are I great. Feel like I, I feel like I shouldn't. Like I have Why? mixed feelings about it because I think that there are some. They're great business people. Yes. I think that's, that's the distinction is like, I think that there are some things that, that the Kardashians, the way that they've impacted culture, I don't know that I'm fully on board with, but I think from a business standpoint, Fair. there's like a genius, like I don't think yeah. people give Kris Jenner enough credit. I think this whole like she's m- out here doing deals. The momager joke. Listen, Kris Jenner Yes, she was married to a very prominent L.A. attorney. Obviously, everyone and their mother knows yeah. the the story. But she she was like a, a housewife. She didn't yeah. have any access to the money. Like, she's talked about how she had no control, no autonomy. She basically got, like, an allowance, right? She sold the reality show to Ryan Seacrest in, like, three days Interesting. at 51 years old. And I basically turned, like, that same like. situation that you just said of, like, This man probably already had some money, but it takes quite a bit of savvy to go to what fifty three billion dollars a year in like that didn't happen by accident. Like one franc. Same situation. This woman was obviously very privileged, but she she has a net worth now of like two hundred million dollars. Like she's a, I I think she's a a shark, honestly. And I think that we could all learn a lot from the way that she structures. Absolutely. However, I mean, like I think there are like I would look at at someone like that and go like. Are there some, is there some strange, like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I'm sure there's some weird ethical things with the family. I don't, maybe some of it is a little bit sketchy, but, but just from a sheer business perspective, I think Kardashians, we will be studying them for decades to come. A hundred percent. I don't even know that they get enough credit for the like whole portfolio of brands. I don't think they do. Okay. What are the brands that you know that they have? So I know, let's start at the bottom. So Kylie has like Kylie Cosmetics, which I think was like, I think they're actually buying back the stakes that Cody bought in them. Like they sold us Cody. Cody is like the makeup brand that paid like $51 million for something. And I think Kylie is actually buying that back. back. There's like Kylie Skin, (laughs) Kylie Baby even. Like there's, there's multiple. Did you see that episode on the Kardashians? I also watch the Kardashians like, like religiously. Yeah. I tune in. I've watched them every year. Like I started watching that show in middle school. I think they're wonderful. Um, so did you see that episode where Kylie is like doing her first launch on the website and they think that the website, like everything crashed right when they launched, but really like it just, it just sold sold out out in that second. They see, that's the thing. It's a cult of personality and I don't think people understand 
how hard that is to do. Because mm. there's not even a think of a comp. You can't. Who 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 is yeah. comparable, right? I mean, like, I think there are some. Okay, I'll say this. There, there are comps that are not as, like, I would, I would put, like, a Taylor Swift, a Beyonce. Like, there are other people that Thank have he. that star power, but they had talent. That's the thing. Like, who has built this much of a following Wait, based sorry, on now personality gonna, alone? Now I'm going to defend the Kardashians, though, because, like, I think they got talent. They got a lot of talent. They're out here doing deals and create, like, but taking what, is what the, they have. Everyone else that has this much yeah. star power was a singer or an actress yeah. or a influ like like they were the original influencers yes. that 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 used they, I think their rise kind of coincided with social media yes. but I don't think there's anyone else that has the fame the Correct. command of media that but but the whole yeah. their criticism is actually their biggest selling point which is oh they're famous for being famous I well no one else is famous for being famous how which did is they a do talent that? in and of itself that is the to talent. pioneer a field of being famous for being famous so yeah I'm with that but Question. Yeah. Did you see Chris Kardashian's masterclass? Chris Jenner. Chris Jenner. Oops, sorry. Put some yeah. respect on that name, Oops. Tara. My bad. Chris Jenner. Chris Jenner's masterclass. Yeah, regretably. I was paid trash. money for it. I know I was really disappointed. Oh, you paid money for it? I watched it on I the joined plane. Masterclass. They got it on yeah. the Delta license oh. licensing deal. <laughs> licensing deal. Doing deals. Doing deals. Yeah. Um, I watched it. It was trash. She it, said she absolutely a whole nothing. nothing. She said nothing. I know. I really wanted her to... I wanted the, the inside scoop on particularly, like... I think that there's there's a certain point beyond which... Okay, well, now it's not impressive anymore for K Kim Kardashian to get an impressive business deal because she's Kim Kardashian. I want to hear, how did you make her into Kim Kardashian in 2010? How did, yeah. What was the strategy how with Kylie you, on Instagram 2013? How was did that you an accident? handle the like, Pepsi contract and Pepsi deal? Like, what was the back and forth? How, yeah. how did you handle like when it went wrong? of, like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's like how these things are happening behind the scenes. And I guess, like, personal brand, that's a little squishy. Like, I guess that, but yeah, I was, I was hoping for some harder hitting. Yeah, she was generally information like, you gotta love your family and stick tight mm -hmm. and you gotta build a brand around things you love like you don't have to watch the master class now like that was the whole thing that was the master that class. Was the, you that just gave it to done him. done i want to yeah. know like how do you how do you find leaders for your portfolio of companies mm -hmm. how do you yes. like operators what's the amount how do you of, find an operator integration that like how much creative time are you spending with them or are you just like you do what you want and fly like i i think like for example like Kim presents to be pretty involved mm -hmm. with skims. She's like, I'm testing new fabrics mm -hmm. and materials, but like, how much is that? Just like, I just looked at it real quick, or like, how, like, right. I'm curious about that. You know, what? Someone who is trying to figure like, how much do I delegate? How much do I stay creatively involved? Like, I want to know that. You know, what's really funny too is it. It took me a second to pick up on this, but I did watch the Hulu reboot, The Kardashians, and of course, it's it, on right now. It occurred to me, probably like toward the end of the first season. Like, wait a second. This entire show is an ad. Every single episode is about their portfolio. And it's so good. The wedding episode. It's the wedding, all an ad. But all of reality TV is an ad. Like, for example, when you watch Real Housewives, everybody, first of all, very few are housewives. Everybody's got a business. Mm -hmm. Everybody's there to promote the business. But and that's I new, love right? it. That's new. That I is not how reality life. television used to be. But that's what I think is so genius about the Kardashians is they yes. sunsetted keeping up and then they came back with Hulu and they had and all the leverage. You know they negotiated the they hell out of that They had all the leverage and they said, 
this is going to be a way for us to sell skims, to sell good American. Yep. They just turned, they turned, and that's that's it. You take yep. it. It's like the Barbie model too. It's like the IP that sells the thing, but it's in in a way. Wait, it's, what's it's the Barbie model? That. How how now Mattel is trying to get into intellectual property. They're trying to kind of transcend the like retail goods space, and they're trying to really like branch out. I I, I don't know. Maybe interesting. It's I didn't know thing. that. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, so so what is the what's the tangible takeaway? Like when I'm looking at someone like Bernard Arnault and yes. the LVMH model, yeah. like if I'm saying, "Okay, well I have this business now yeah. and I want to dabble in maybe I don't want to like full on bring something do deals. in. I want to do a deal. <laughs> but I want to do it like well, what's the like baby step deal? Please stop saying it like I that. I can't please. help it. I can't help it. There's well, something so cheesy about it that I can't it I can't get To me past. it's more like do a deal like we're going to like do oh, that you're like we're gonna do that thing. Yeah. Do that deal. Do that deal. Okay. That's more of what's like the, the energy step, of it. Though? Okay. So I think that for okay, one of the things I think is interesting about Bernard Arnault's LVMH moves is that he has like a community-based thesis, a customer-based thesis. It's not like all of the businesses are the same, oh, right? There's makeup, okay. there's clothes, there's alcohol, though, there's watches. It's luxury. And people who love luxury. Community-based, like yeah, yeah, yeah. People who love luxury. Like, this is my demo, and I'm going to sell people. them this whole circle of things. I'm going to lock in on the bougie market and like it's more about the community. So I do think like there's two ways, two different ways that like us as small business owners and building mini empires, like we can take those learnings mm -hmm. and actually implement it. There's probably like a basic mode and an advanced mode, or maybe intermediate mode, advanced yeah. mode. Yeah. Hard mode. Hard mode. Okay. Intermediate mode, hard mode. So I think intermediate mode is like just partnerships. Right. So mm -hmm. going to other people who have if you have a business going to other entrepreneurs who have similar audiences, maybe they have different products, but similar audiences. Let's say you guys all have dog products like products for pet owners right that's so the you're not competing but you're just selling to the same you're not competing people. like you've got the like tr travel case for when you like take your pet on like a trip and you have pet food mm -hmm. and so uh, maybe on the confirmation page of your like shopify store you actually have like maybe you do a cross promotion like hey we have this other partner mm. company and you guys work together to give each other like a referral fee or something like that sort of like an affiliate partnership mm -hmm. that is still doing a deal around okay. community that's you fair. guys get share of revenue. You help each other sort of build and grow businesses. That takes like a conversation. Yeah, that's that seems pretty low stakes. Conversation and like some way to track like, oh, this came from you. Yes. You referred that person to me. Okay, that's an interesting distinction, yeah. I think. That's actually how I started Apps Without Code. Like we did our first workshop because I'd had a lot of people like emailing me, asking me because I'd been blogging about building Apps Without Code. That was like the most popular blog. Oh. Yeah, my first company was called Collecto. I had a blog called Building Collecto. And my the most, like, and it mainly was talking to myself, but like the most popular blog post was about how I had built the app without code. Okay. So then I, what I realized is people were interested in this and I did a workshop about this and I just asked friends who had similar audiences of people starting entrepreneurship, entering tech to like, hey, if you send people to my workshop, mm. I'll give you, and people sign up for the program, I'll give you a percentage of their like sign up amount. I didn't realize, though, that that was kind of the impetus. Yeah. That you were doing something else, right? And you, yeah, made, I had you another were writing company. a blog post that was about how you 
built that without code and then everyone was like oh wait yeah. but wait tell us more about that and you're like oh that's what people want to know that's exactly right so I had an art startup called Collecto I had done this program where I was flying to New York and there was like a side project accelerator so my side project of the art startup I built this algorithm that matches people to artwork based on their taste okay so it like pulls internet art from the internet and then matches you to like painting photography etc and so I had started that as a side project we had made like $35,000 of revenue by the time it had gone to like full time okay and then I had been building that and working on that. And people were asking me, how did you make that app? Mm, oh, my gosh. And there were enough people that I was like, oh, wait, like, I, I can't ignore all these emails. I need to, like, just help some people. And so I helped five people launch their app just from people who had, like, emailed me. Okay. Um, and then I... Uh, kind of put together a more formal structure around it, asked friends to kind of do a partnership with me to promote it, the workshop I was doing. And then there were like 70 people. Oh my God. Okay. That's so interesting that that was the, that was the growth came from doing the partnership deal. And it did take some effort to like call people, explain to them what I was doing. Like we had to sort of talk about different ways Mm -hmm. to do the partnership, but like that was what happened. Okay. Well, I didn't really realize that that was like, um, I don't know. In my mind, th- that was not in the same vein as oh. this kind of, you know, bringing bringing other businesses into the fold or buying other businesses. Part- You're saying partner. It didn't feel like partnerships were deal- no, not at all. Enough. So I guess I've, I, I think kind you of have been this doing voice. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have the voice on it that like maybe like deals partnerships <laughs> are Long deal. Island accent. <laughs> yeah, because the long like, partnerships are deals. Yeah. In fact, I think like most full mergers and acquisitions start with a little bit of a partnership first. You want to test it out to see if you even like working together. True. Okay. Okay. Well then, so, all right. So let's say. I generally think of like the, the like just working in a business and figuring out like, what are we going to do next? How is this going to work? And how are like, how is this next move going to get us to the full goal? That's doing a deal too. Okay. Yeah. All right. So then what's then. Let's pretend for a second that I have, actually, this is good. This is like a good hypothetical. Yeah. So my friend just started a brand marketing agency and she's getting it off the ground. And I was like, oh, that'd be really fun to work with her and have her kind of give us that refresh and just give us like a fresh spin on things. So, okay, that's maybe a good partnership opportunity. Yeah. What if I was like, hey, actually, I want to buy your brand marketing agency as it's getting off the ground. You get your clients. Like if you're, if you're yeah. bringing like an agency model in house. Yeah. How would you approach a, a micro acquisition of that kind? Interesting. Okay. So first I would not do an acquisition at all. And I would work with that person first. Cause okay. they may be your friend, but so you work hate together working first. with them. Okay. So like just partnership first. Okay. Partnership. First. They have a brand agency is what you're saying. Yeah. It's brand marketing. I think they're also kind of getting into consulting too. So does that feel to you like it integrates with your current business or it feels like it's completely separate? I think there's a potential integration opportunity. Okay. So for the hypothetical sake, let's say that, yeah. I'm like, oh, I think that there are tons of people that follow Money with Katie that are starting businesses and would really yeah. benefit from having that type of thing to outsource. Okay, and got I it. want to utilize the fact that I know these people yeah. and kind of bring them into the fold and then funnel their business to this person that is now in in, Love in, it. in the you know, the holding company, we'll say. 
We'll Got it. Okay. okay. So as I was saying, I would do a partnership first. Yep. Do some sort of referral. See how the experience is. If you like working with them, if your customers and your audience likes working with them. And then I think it makes sense to have a conversation about full acquisition. And like this space, this acquisition space has really like evolved hmm. over the last okay. few years. How so? There is a website I really like called acquire.com. It used to be called micro acquire and they relabeled. They it dropped just, the micro. Which to me is like such a boss. BDE. <laughs> it's what? BDE. Yeah, it's definitely BDE. Like, we're not micro acquire anymore. We're just a whole. I love I love that branding <laughs> move so much. But um, it's so funny when I get like excited about like business you start stuff. Just, I just like, start like strangling oh. someone that's not there. It's not a strangle. It's just like a. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I the love it. I'm like getting Viking vibes. It's giving Viking Standing cool. at the front of the ship. That's what it is. It's like warrior princess yes. energy. Yes, okay, warrior. And by the way, that's actually a better description of when I think of the word deals. I think warrior princess more than the Long Island accent in my head. There's warrior princess coming out more so than anything. Okay, so so acquire.com is actually really interesting for like, you already know this person that you're mentioning, mm-hmm. but like if you don't know someone like this, you can go to acquire.com. They have a bunch of listings of businesses that are for sale. And you can also sell your business. So it's like a marketplace. Oh, so I could be like, I want to hire... You know, I, I want video editing in-house, but I also want to make money off of that, too. Like, I need that service myself, but I also would like to make money off of it. Could I go on there and be like... Not so much to hire them, to acquire them. That's what I'm saying. Buy to oh, buy yeah, them, yeah. to bring them in-house, have yes. them do my videos, but also have them doing other videos that, that it's like becomes a revenue stream. It becomes stream. part of your business. Exactly. So you would go to acquire.com. You would find a business like that. Usually there's some sort of... The way that businesses get valued... This is so interesting, too, because like in entrepreneurship, we often talk about like what happens during entrepreneurship but not the exit and like how to get out of entrepreneurship <laughs> and like usually there's two different ways that companies get acquired and valued okay. so usually it's either like a cash buyer someone like kind of thinking about like the fi- financial buyer mm-hmm. thinking about the financials of the business or a strategic buyer so like a strategic buyer is thinking about like I don't really care how much money the business is making like that's not why I'm acquiring it yeah you could acquire a business just because it takes you to the future of where you want to go so like if you found a business that was doing like cool AI products for financial education, you may not care. You're not like your goal is not necessarily that you're going to like make a bunch of Mm. money from that. It's like, that's going to take you to the future vision. If that were because they already, are you saying that because they already have kind of the knowledge or the skill set or the vision that you're trying to bring in? It's more than it's aligned to your vision. And usually like big, big businesses do this, right? So like when Facebook acquires Instagram, I'm pretty sure that the conversation was not necessarily about the financials of Instagram. Mm. It was like, this is where we're trying to go from a direction perspective. We have a gap in what we're doing. So we like don't know how to do this. It's a shortcut. Okay. Yeah. So usually strategic acquisitions, this is sort of different than what you'll see on MicroAcquire. Usually strategic acquisitions, it's just kind of like what feels good is the price. Like you determine the price, hmm. not so much on math. Did you watch Succession? Of course. Okay. <laughs> Giving Gojo. <laughs> Yeah. And the, going to Norway to negotiate Wait, tell, with Lucas. What's the scene that you're referring to? Just when they're like arguing about the price in the gondola and they're like writing it on the piece of paper and they're like, I think I don't this remember is the this. share price. And then they're just like, Making I don't even remember the specific up. numbers. But yeah, I mean, it, it, that was effectively how it felt. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. like, this is the number. So, and then they got that number and they're like, actually, this is the number. There is a world where it's kind of, this is the number. I think in a more small business space, people are acquiring businesses. You can get acquired 
where you can acquire businesses and it's more of like around a multiple so a multiple is like explain a the multiple it's a number that you take usually either the top line revenue or the bottom line revenue how much you're bringing in or how much profit and you multiply it by a number usually like service businesses have like a lower multiple like a one or two x multiple oh all the way to software businesses can have like 10x businesses that's why people like software businesses they have huge multiples oh okay well yeah. we'll get more into that and we'll also talk about some of our favorite deals after a yeah. quick break take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card it offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. So that's essentially what I'm saying, like in terms of the learnings from LVMH, from the Kardashians, there's like a couple different ways you can do your own deal mm -hmm. in a small business. There's kind of like simple mode, which is like partnerships, which is super doable. Maybe it's intermediate mode because you'll still got to do the work. Yeah. And then there's advanced mode, which is like, I'm going to go acquire business and fold it in. And there's sites like acquire.com where you can do that now. Okay. I got you. And does acquire, can I ask one more question yeah. though? Does acquire.com like, does it walk you through the actual financials of the transaction? Yeah. I think that's also where I would get stuck. Yeah. So they have loaded up either like people can sync their Stripe account, like the business Stripe account is synced. So you can see that or people load up P&Ls. They load up all the financials of the business. So you can like uh, uh, sometimes they're private. So you like sign an NDA is on their platform. You then can see all the information of the business and then have a conversation with the founder. You definitely like want to have conversations yeah. with them afterwards. But like all the financial information is on there or you look okay so then you can it's like buying anything else like you can make an offer and say i'd like exactly. to buy your business for this price exactly okay. that's exactly right fair so i know you're sort of like joking about deals but like you've done some impressive deals particularly i know you're working on a book and i personally am really interested in hearing how you've done that because i have i've never written a book and i'm interested in the process yeah you have a book deal yes i do book deal Book single book deal. It was almost two, but, it's but a then deal. I said I want to do one book deal. You almost did a double book deal. Deals. Wait, so you can sign on to double do deal two, two books? How does this work? Yes. Okay. So here's here's kind of what happened. I first and foremost consider myself like a writer, yeah. and so everything I do is an extension of that in my mm -hmm. mind and how I kind of conceptualize. I saw that this. on your Instagram. You know how you can put like you can categorize yourself. Yeah. You have writer. Yeah, 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 thing, yeah. Which I thought was fascinating. That is just how I. That's how I, I got started. That. That's where I am the happiest. Yeah. If I could just write all day, that's what I would want to do. Okay, got it. So everything else is kind of secondary to that, but. Yeah. So I, I always knew I wanted to write one. I wanted to have a book. I wanted to have something in print and not just a digital footprint. Or even when I think about the podcast that I put on, it starts as a very in-depth written script. So what happened was I had been getting some outreach from agents and publishers for a few months. Because I think what people don't understand is that as soon as you have a blog that has even a little bit of success and you have some writing out there and you have a little bit of an audience... They're always kind of looking for people that can write that mm -hmm. already have a built-in audience. Because so you think they found you from your blog or from social? I actually, I know how they found me because the agent that I ended up working with yeah. 
told you. Told me. And I know how the publisher found me, too. The, they, 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 the agent had subscribed to someone else's newsletter yeah. who would plug my work. And so she started reading my work and was like, this is good. Like, she should write a book. Did they plug it because you had a partnership? or they just No. Liked just you? organic. Yeah. Like, I liked this piece. Yeah. So I think that that was how the agent found me. I think the publisher, the editor found me on Instagram, but then went and listened to the show and read the blog and was like, hmm. So they both independently, not knowing one another, yeah, came to me. And there was a couple other public, like... Do they know each other? No. Okay, so they do so now. I, just they so I understand now. all the players in, in in the deal. There are a couple. So there's publishers. There's really two. There's an eight. There's their, your literary agent who represents you and and negotiates kind of on your behalf. Yes. And then there's the publisher. And the publisher does what? The publisher is the one that that prints the book, distributes it, markets it. Got so it. there's a benefit to working with a big publisher as opposed to pros and cons, right? Yeah. Self publishing, you keep you keep everything, but you're also fronting all the capital yep. you are fully responsible for making all the relationships getting it in bookstores whereas if you work with a bigger publisher they have the relationships they have the marketing department but right. they're taking obviously like they are giving you in most cases an advance to write the book yeah but you have to then earn out that advance so they might say we're gonna give you three hundred thousand dollars yeah that means you have to, in order to earn any money beyond that 300000 the book has to sell 120,000 copies. And then you start to make a couple bucks on every copy after that. After that, okay. So okay. I would say that for most people, unless it's a breakout success and you're selling millions of copies, a book, in my mind, is not something you write to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's something that you write in for either a reason that is personal to you like in my case I really wanted to write one yeah and then I was like oh I actually think I could make I think it could make a lot of money so I think it's worth the time I kind of heard and that justifiable most, most scenarios people just kind of make the advance like you don't get beyond right what that is typical. you got from the advance yes especially if the advance is high so I think that there's what's a high advance like what's a in the skinny uh, one and a high one. I think that, well, that's a good question. I would say anything in the six-figure range would be big. Yeah. Some, I think, like, Prince Harry got, like, 10 million. Right. So, like, that's yeah. to give that's a sense high. of scale, right? And I think, okay. like, mid-six figures is probably, like... Personal brand. Because, like, yes. Harry's past person, he's, like, into celebrity now. Because right, exactly. Celebrities are going to make millions. Yeah. I think that there are some big influencers that could probably get a couple million. Yeah. Um, I did not get a couple million, we'll yeah. say that. But I think that there are also plenty of book deals that happen with like a ten to fifty thousand dollar advance. So it's it's not like it's nothing. Yeah. Obviously. But it's it's not like, oh, this is gonna be my my ticket to financial freedom and retire retirement. Now. Yeah, right? It's not retirement. That's not really in my mind how the the mindset you go in with. But I think so many people don't know that, by the mm -hmm. way, that like the strategy around the book deal. And I think the strategy around how you've gone into this is useful because you, it frames up how you you went about mm -hmm. structuring it. But the strategy was not necessarily this is my moneymaker. It was like this is my. I think it's a long term play. I think it makes me it gives me some credibility mm -hmm. that I can have a book in Barnes and Noble. Right. And that yeah. I can I can go on talk is shows. Barnes and Noble still open. Barnes and Noble still open? Hell yeah! Oh my god! Like yeah. physical stores? physical stores? Oh yeah! I thought they went out of business. Maybe no orders. 
Borders, maybe. I don't know. Barnes & Noble is very much still open, though. Wow. So having a book on a bookshelf in public. Yeah. Like, and then being able to in go. the airport and stuff. Being yeah. able to be like, I'm the author of this. Like, the second you put that. So I yeah. think it's, to me, more about legitimacy. as a writer. Right. Particularly as a writer. So what I, am I happy that I'm going to make money off of it? Absolutely. Yeah. But I don't think that the money is actually, like, the highest ROI. I think it's going to serve me a lot in the future as establishing me as a more because legitimate you player. yourself, you'll make money like in other ways. ways. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So I think the other thing to note is that yes, there were agents, and I basically didn't take it seriously until a publisher from one of like the big five publishing houses mm-hmm. was interested. Because that's when I was like, they have deep pockets, they have big marketing uh, yeah. departments. They are going to help put it on the map in a way that I'm not confident I could on my own, or yeah. that I just want to give it the best shot at success. And the way that you sell the book is actually a lot less about having a title and a, a really strong concept. And it's like the the book proposal that you use mm. to secure the deal is far more a marketing document. So it's here's why people are going to buy this book. Here's uh, who I have access to. Here's why this book is different. Did you write a proposal first? Yeah, it was like 70 pages. So you, I wrote several um, sampled chapters. Yes. And you have to annotate the, the this is what I where I want to take it. Annotated mm-hmm. outline kind of, but then sample chapters so they can see that you know how to write. Yeah. There's also a piece of this document that, and this is why you work with an agent because they can really help you with this. The, I didn't know any of this. The agent told me all of this. She's yeah. like, no, 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 you need like, there's a lot here. You also have a section where you talk about who you know. So it's like, I have Ooh. I have this journalist connection at New York Magazine. I have, you know, these seven podcasters that all get this many downloads. They have all already agreed to have me on to talk about oh. it. Podcasts are a great way to sell a book. You talk about... Um, this is slightly the annoying thing to me about the publishing business, though. Oh, yeah. Like, you have to say, here's all the ways that, like, I'm going to be the heavy hitter marketer so that yes. they can do the marketing right but, that, but that's really a lot of you a have lot of to 100 yeah but you have to make it it has to feel and seem and be mutually beneficial right like they have to, the to see yeah. why they're gonna give you several hundred thousand dollars yeah and put all the energy into producing this book for you yeah and editing it and going through this very laborious process because and if you don't like writing absolutely don't do this <laughs> like it is so much and like all the citations and the references and like I know you did I think you did a deal around this too in terms of like as you were thinking about the people who could help promote it did you have to like go talk to those people and like yes oh absolutely like will you promote it before I put this in the proposal I reached out to a lot of the people that I know in this space so I reached out to people like Chelsea Fagan who owns the financial diet and has published several books I reached out to um the guys that run choose fi and mad scientist and all these people that run other big personal finance brands and said hey would you be willing and like blurbing the book? That's another thing where you like, you know, you turn a book over and there's like people have written reviews on the back cover. Oh. And this is great because X, like you need to tell the publisher, I already know this person that has a hundred thousand mm-hmm. subscribers and they've already agreed to blurb the book and put their name on the back cover. And so there's a lot of this yeah. kind of like 
hobnobbing and and you know asking for favors and then trying so to get on podcasts. Say, like, yes, when it comes out, I'll do it. But yeah. they're not like committing to a thing. Yeah, no, it's not like they're signing anything. It's just you just have to basically be able to be to the publisher. Like, Got yeah, it. I talked to them and they like verbally told me they will. You will do the partnership when it's time. Yes, it's about like demonstrating that you have those connections and that yeah. you have people that will go to bat for you. And so I think that that's where the relationships piece comes in yeah. really handy and and where the the network becomes really important. At least in, from the standpoint of getting the publisher to get excited enough yeah. to be like, okay, sure, I'll cut you a check for this and we'll, we'll you know, do this project with you. I think Okay, that- so when you get to the, you have the proposal done, right? Mm-hmm. And then you give it and you like, to multiple publishers? So we gave an exclusive to Penguin Random House because that was the publisher you that we... went straight been, into one. We, know we, we said, we we're giving with. you the exclusive. And the reason that you do that, at least in our case, yeah. was because we wanted them to make an aggressive offer. We wanted them to see, okay, we Ooh. need to give them a high number now so that they don't go shop this around to other places. But you my, can my, put like, it up at auction. warrior vibe is coming back out, like aggressive offer, but, we, yes. exclusive offer. Okay. So right. you want, and it's also to demonstrate, I think, that you are excited to work with them too. And that was the publisher I wanted. I wanted to work with them. I wanted to convey that sense of like, you're yeah. my pick. Like, Because they're like a heavy hitter. Yes, yeah. yeah. They I, they might be the biggest. I don't yeah, I don't know either. for sure, but so we're working with an imprint. There are different imprints within these port. Like they, I don't know what an imprint is. It's basically all these smaller brands within Penguin Random House. Oh, so got it. Yeah. our port, our imprint is called them? Portfolio. Yes. <laughs> deals. Ah, deal. I'm like doing the it's little money side. So yeah, so we're working with like the nonfiction, like business and money imprint yep. of Penguin Random House. But I wanted their kind of cachet, and I wanted that like Got it. that stamp of approval, kind of. Yep. So okay. I love it. That's kind of how that works. You, I, we gave them the exclusive, but you could put it up for auction and say, "Here is a you book. Give me the Who offer. wants to buy it?" But make, the, make an offer. Make an offer. But the risk is that if there's not a bunch of hype and kind of clamoring around this, you might get, like, it only really works in your favorite auction if people are bidding on top of each other and, like, driving up the price. It's it, So that makes sense to me. I was kind of thinking if you do an exclusive offer that they are like, well, they're not even, like, looking at anybody else, so we can give the lowball offer that we want to. Right. But it doesn't necessarily work that way. No, you it's... feel like they give a... Because you give them the exclusive, they, they come back with a stronger and offer. And because we had been the... The editor and I at the publisher had been working together over a few months where we had kind of developed the idea a little bit together. And so I think there was a bit of a vested interest and a feeling of like, we're in this together and we want what's best for, like, I think that there was a very much a sense of like, it's in my best interest to work with you. It's in your best interest to work with me. How can we make this as great as possible for one another? This is really interesting from like a personality types perspective. We, we did that conversation where we talked about like uh, confidence styles yeah. and the like Taylor Swift confidence style that you got. This is um, like a previous episode we did. The Taylor Swift confidence style that you got was like fosters collaboration and like working together. Yeah. I'm thinking about myself in your position and I think I would have had a hard time just going straight in with exclusive like i want to see you know what, what it is though got but i think i think your approach is smarter here i just think like my, i would i would be well not necessarily do we don't have a counterfactual in which we know what would have happened if it went to right, auction right but here's here's why i was okay with it i in my head 
had like a minimum where I was like, this is how much I want to make mm. on this book, especially in light of everything else we have going on. Cause yeah. it's not like I'm taking a year off to write it. It's like, True. when am I going to write it in tandem with all the other things that we're doing? So I knew that just to, for it to make sense for the business, it would be irresponsible for me to take on a project like that unless I felt like it was really going to drive things forward for yeah. me personally and for the business. So I had a minimum in my head of like, I want to make at least this much. It has to be bringing this much to the table to justify the time that I'm going to spend. They come in with their offer there. You're like, okay, great. We and they came in above it, and then we negotiated it higher. So like, it. I was comfortable. I think at some point there has to be a moment of like, what is enough? Yeah, you know. And I think I had identified enough, particularly since it's not a money strategy for you. It's it's a a distribution strategy and like I'm a writer with this partner strategy. Yes. And so if you got the partner that you want, you did the thing. And I also knew that I knew that even though if those things were true, if they lowballed me, that would sour how I felt about them and they would no longer be the partner that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And they didn't lowball me. So it was like, all right, we see each correct. other. Like, yes, like yeah. I see working with you is valuable. You clearly see, they came back and said, can we sign you for two? Will you promise to do two oh. and we'll give you, you know, 1.75 times as much. But then that was a moment where I was like, I actually feel like in the past I would have taken that because it's like bird in the hand, right? Like, because they want to lock you in. They want to lock you in. In. They yeah. say we want the long. We think you have long term potential. We think the first book's going to be great. We want to make sure that we get the second one. Mm-hmm. But I was tricky, like, though, because if the first book does really well, you can come back and say I want twice as much. With That's a right. Different. Deal. And I think that in the past, based on like deals I've done in the past, like to get acquired, I always took the safer route. I didn't bet on myself. Mm-hmm. I bet on let me take the more stable option. Okay, and I Katie. think in this case, I was like, I've seen. I think it's like learning like, okay, I think I know what I'm capable of. I think I know what I, how much work I'm going to bring to the table and what I'm going to, I think I can make that happen for myself. So let me bet on me this time. Yeah. And only do one. I get that. And then, and then say, I think this is going to blow it out of the water. And I want the opportunity in the future to be able to go back and have the leverage of like, I didn't already sell the second one. Like, Would you say that the book deal is one of your favorite deals that you've done? Yes. Of all time? Yeah. 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 What's your favorite? <sighs> okay. I've got two. Okay. You tell me which one you want to hear about. Okay. I think the income property that I have in Chicago when I bought that and how I strategically bought that, I feel like that was like one mm. I'm really proud of. I also have acquired some businesses and some online businesses, apps and tech businesses that also I'm like, like that deal that I did. Okay. This is hard. I actually, Those are my top two. I think I'd want to hear about the income property actually, yeah. because I think that right now real estate is something that so many, it feels so unattainable. Yeah. yeah. And I would love to hear how you finagled that. I have, uh, there's this program called NACA. 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 What is the, say say the letters. N-A-C-A. I'm not sure exactly what What the acronym is. It's like maybe North America. I don't know. (laughs) Some. But um, essentially NACA is a nonprofit. They essentially went to the banks after like the 2008, like, shenanigans that happened and okay. we're like hey you guys did wrong you, you need to up. You've, you've effed up you <laughs> need to be part of some programs to like make this right for the nation yeah and so what they do this program is you can buy a house in partnership with them it's no down payment 
no closing costs, no PMI, which is like the private mortgage insurance yeah. extra amount that they charge you if you have a low down payment. Yes. So that's gone. They educate you through the whole process because it was my first time buying something. And so you do. There are a lot of classes you have to take throughout. But I was like, I'll take a class because I don't know. Did it start know. as an income property or did it start as a place you lived? No. So the whole strategy. So when I went into this, my whole strategy was I'm going to do what they call like house hacking. I'm going to oh, yeah, live in hacking. one and, and I'm going to get like a three Brilliant. or four unit, live in one, rent out the other. So like that was my whole plan. So I was looking at, I went through the program um, and essentially what they do, at least at the time, what they did was they, you get approved for, usually when you buy a house, you get approved for like the total value of the house. Yes. This program approves you for a, what the payment will be. Oh, but the reason it's interesting to play this strategy here is like with an income property, they're they're looking at the amount you pay. So if the other units are paying an amount, if the mortgage is like three thousand dollars and the other units are bringing in, so it's factoring in rental income. It factors in rental income, so your payment is only one thousand of that. For example, in that math, so that means that like you can get more of a house in that structure. And this is specific to like properties that are duplexes, triplexes. No, that are, like, so mainly people use it to buy a single family home. I think the interesting oh, way to play it though, okay. is to do the multifamily because actually it increases your budget for the property that you can do. Because if like you know what I'm saying, like the yes. monthly payment, you have more that you so can fit into the monthly payment. So interesting that it factors payment. in rental income. That's I've never heard. Yeah, of that. Like, they do factor in because they really are trying to get people in like good positions. Like they're really conscious about this as a nonprofit, so they factor in seventy percent of the rental income. So I had like my spreadsheet of like doing the math just in case right like it's an income property like it, people might not pay that rent they be late on rent right month. exactly like, so that's yeah, why they do 70% guaranteed. to like keep you safe so okay essentially when I bought this property I came out of pocket I paid three thousand dollars oh my god my earnest money the, the property I bought it for 660k Right. And you paid three thousand out of pocket. I paid three thousand for my earnest pay, like earnest deposit. Like I'm serious, and I got most of that back at closing. I also had to pay for the inspection separately, but that was like a hundred dollar, okay, $50, yeah, something like that. Um, if I recall, so I got most of the money back from my earnest deposit afterwards. There's also a really interesting structure in it where you you can negotiate down the interest rate of the property. What year was this? So this pro- program still exists. They're it still, still exists. Yes. So they take the the current interest rate of like so yeah. whatever the current interest rate federal is. federal funds rate the federal funds rate right and I actually think theirs is a tiny <gasps> bit usually a tiny bit lower than that they've sort okay. of like negotiated something but then have, you negotiate but it then lower? you can negotiate it down so the way you can negotiate it down is you can buy it down you can pay oh, in this points. program so you can either you can pay it down but the way to strategize this is um, I didn't come out of pocket to negotiate mine down so the way you play this this is why it's like one of my favorite deals i've done okay is i went to the seller and i said you're selling it for i don't know like maybe 700 yeah i don't want to pay 700k i want to pay 660 don't give me the don't reduce the price i'll pay you whatever the amount is but just give me credits essentially does that make sense? So you can give people can give you credits at closing instead of lowering the price. It's the same to the seller. 
Right, the seller pays the same amount. But I would think, the, okay, I guess where I'm thrown then yes. is how that works with the seller is the one determining the price, but they're not providing the financing for it. So what? What? why would they care what the interest rate you're paying? Because they're getting No, all- no, no. They don't care at all what interest right. rate you're paying. And to them, it's literally the same. So yeah, either yeah, they yeah. come down in price or they give you the credits of the closing. To them, it's the same. But for me, it's not the same. For me, I can use those credits to buy down in that in, this, in NACA's program. I can use those credits to buy down the interest rate. Interesting. Okay. Otherwise, if I wanted to do it, otherwise, I would have to come out of pocket to buy down the interest rate. So I bought down the interest rate and took advantage of that just by negotiating it well and asking for one, give it, instead of doing, doing the price down, just give it to me in this way. Same thing for you, but really benefits me. I guess, how is it the same thing for them, though? If they're giving you credits at closing, yeah. does that mean that they're covering your closing costs? No, no, no. So the credits at closing, so if, let's say that the property was Who's like, giving you the credits? The seller is giving the credit. So the credits are like, I'm going to come down in price, essentially. So we we agree their price was a little bit too high. We are going to come down in price. So they agree to that. And there's two ways that they can do that. They can do the credits at closing, and that's them coming down at price at closing. Or they can just reduce the price of the actual property itself. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I guess I don't Because usually when you buy a property, there's some negotiation. Maybe yeah. the listing price is not exactly what I guess I'm not familiar with to. the credits. Is the credits I wasn't either. So, specific to NACA? I don't think that's like a... So I think it might be. It might be. I'm not actually sure. I, what I do know, buying, buying down the interest rate in that way is specific to NACA. Right. Okay. That's specific to that program. So essentially it was like me looking at the terms of this program and like how do I make good use of it? And how did you apply to be in it? Is it just an application? Yeah, like you go to a class and there's two different tiers that you can be in, essentially like huh. there's a high income bracket and a low income bracket. And if you're in a higher income bracket, you're limited to like geographies. Like if you look at a map, there's like oh. certain, certain areas of a city, but like it's pretty expansive. Okay. I didn't feel limited by it. Okay. Yeah. So was any part of this like tax strategy or tax planning? No, this was pre me being that savvy about tax (laughs) planning. So I did this in maybe like five years ago. And I wasn't really like as like now I like really like tax strategy. For example, when I acquired uh, the, the couple of businesses that I've bought, I did that primarily as a tax strategy. How and why? Okay, so. In business, we often talk about, like, the goal is to, like, make a lot of money and have a bunch of profit. Yeah. But then once you have a bunch of profit, you're like, oh, shoot, the government now I have a to pay bunch a bunch of, of taxes on the profit. Yeah. Okay. And so if, let's say that you were going to, like, take some of that profit at the end of the year and, like, some of it goes to you, but, like, some of it you want to, like, reinvest back into other things. If you pay taxes on it first, you have less to and, reinvest yeah. back into some things. This is, like, the whole concept of, like, having, like, more business expenses where people talk about you should business expense mm-hmm. that right because then it goes out you it lowers your like tax it lowers on. the amount that you're taxed on right yeah. so what i did was i before we got taxed at the end of the year i went to acquire was then micro acquire and i found some businesses that had products that my community at apps without code needed so like i have this community of folks oh. who are building businesses building tech enabled businesses but they also need websites they also need copywriting they also need all these other things so i found businesses that my community needed and so and i also probably most of those i was referring people to other softwares to use for it okay. and so i just acquired my okay. own 
right. So you're you're basically bringing the services in house. That way, you're controlling the entire yeah end end process. Op- exactly. Yeah. First, I tried to operate them separately. It was a lot of extra work for them to be like totally separate. separate okay. This is with totally separate leadership. So like, it's more family now. Okay. But yeah. So exactly. So I I was thinking about what are the other things people need, but that was largely tax strategy and the way that I had to structure it for it to be tax strategy. Because typically, if you buy a business, we're getting kind of like technical now. Yeah, but, but this is you, good. I want you to get technical. If you buy a business, there's still like capital gains, like higher taxes on that. Yeah. And so what we did was we agreed to a price that we were going to, I was going to buy the business for. Okay. But what we did was on the actual deal, let's say that I'm going to acquire the business for like 50K. So what we did for the actual deal is for the assets themselves mm. that I'm buying, that's 5K. So we have two separate contracts. Okay. They, we, they get signed all together, but, like, just one stack of paper. So it's contracts. it's no different to the person that's... It's no different to receiving. them, but it's different to me. Right, 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 right. So 5K for the assets and then, what, 45K in 45 payroll? 45K for an independent contractor fee for them to do the transition of the business because part of what we agreed with was that they would stay for a couple months to just help aid the transition, right? So it's not a... Interesting. Rush. So I guess I would have thought that the capital gains... Would be something that the that the the seller would be paying because they're realizing the gain on like the asset. Yeah, I think if you are buying an asset, you're also you, it's just that you can't. It's not an expense anymore. Is really what it is, right? So, in, in con- hiring a contractor, that's an that ex- is a an regular expense. business. And did expense. you learn? Did you work with an accountant to do this? Ooh, okay, great. So, first of all, m- my mom is an accountant. Oh, my mom is keep a it in the family. However, accountants tend to be like conservative on like but what could we do that's still legal right you, you know what i was like just so so this was not necessarily my mom's strategy what were you thinking there's a joke about how you <laughs> you want a republican accountant but a liberal barista yeah like, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> you want your accountant to be like tax avoidant but okay so you're saying that the the, uh, the wait you wait say that again you want to you want a republican accountant but you want a liberal barista it's like this joke about yeah. it was like a TikTok thing. Okay, yeah. so you you're saying that you di- you didn't. So did you work with an accountant, or were you like yeah, you're yeah. trying to so, figure okay, something what I finagling? learned around this time? What I learned is like the ideal structure, right? Um, is that you have like I'm going to say financial advisor, but I don't mean the traditional fi- like you have a financial strategist. You have a strategist that manages the accountant the lawyer those people oh and, okay. and i worked with his, his name is justin he's really incredible um he has his company is called unorthodox actually and so he helped me he's really good at being like your job is to go like find the thing my job is to like make it work from a strategy perspective so that it's most advantageous and he's really good at being able to speak languages of the CPAs, the right? So, like, when he translates it to the lawyers, to the CPAs, they're like, "Oh yeah, like I know." What that yes, is. I probably would have said it in a way that sounded way like riskier and crazy, and they would have been like, "No, I don't know about that." Yeah, but, like, he's okay. good. Like, here's how we can make something work. We're just gonna hire them as a contractor to mm-hmm. to do the transition, and we're also gonna buy their assets, and we've identified the price for each. Okay, so you you looked at this thing that you you said, okay, I've, I've 
too much profit this year, yeah. we'll say, and I need to find a Which way is a to really ridiculous. Like it's yeah, but ridiculous. like leverage it productively, yeah. right? Like so I, I want to butt kicked on taxes. I would like to spend it on something that's going to be advantageous for the future. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because I think in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to take the profit, and invest it in public markets. I'm going to pay the taxes on it, or I'm going to invest it in a pre-tax account. Yeah. And I'm going to invest it in public markets where I'm going to make. So it's, a, it's a different least, approach. It's a totally different mine approach. is definitely more risk averse. I think for me, I have more faith in myself at this point. And this is because I'm young. I'm in my 30s. Like, my strategy is, like, I can... I can take a business and triple it and I don't feel like my like in in a short period of time and I don't feel like my investment in a public market is going to be able to do that. I have a high faith in myself, particularly when I'm playing in my lane, right? Like I'm not going and buying something that's like completely I have no idea about. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand what you're Yeah, I understand the space. I have people asking me for recommendations for that thing. Like I feel pretty confident about that. Okay. And so for me, like speaking of it, kind of circling it back to Monopoly. tripling you're like i want to triple it i'm like i don't care to triple it i just want an average i want eight percent per year yeah you know what i I mean by the way like my strategy will change at some point like i don't think i'm gonna be 70 saying like i'm gonna like take the business and the goals to triple it i'm like no no just give me my my eight percent so i think like my strategy is definitely gonna change i think right now i've got energy i'm smart i've got like access to things and i'm and more than anything i love this stuff like i've got to make hay while the sun it's my joy to kind of like figure out how to play the game of life and to like play this t- part of the game of life and it energizes, you. It energizes yeah. me yeah and I realize it feels like play and fun for me so like that's kind of more of where I spend my time now but that's going to change we need to do an episode about financial positions and, yeah. and our financial strategies personally like okay. a, as people yeah I think that that would be really really cool because cool. I'm I'm just dying to know more about how you've I'm like I want to see the books yeah. I want to get in there and I want to see books <laughs> like what I'm reading your no your personal like oh what I'm reading <laughs> like my books like my book no shelf? like your yeah, yeah like your personal talk about how it. much you pay yourself and like you know where you're putting money for the future and yeah. how much of this is you reinvesting and basically there's there's almost I think about it in two different ways. Yeah. It's it's either kind of the tech company model mm-hmm. where it's like high growth. I'm yeah. not paying dividend. I'm I'm focused on as plowing as much as I can yeah. into getting this thing as big as it yeah. can be. Or it's okay, things are working well. I'm gonna kind of get to a point where I can kind of sustain this and yeah. just the slow and steady approach. Yeah. And I think we represent two different sides. <laughs> yeah, big time. Right. So I'm like, I want to get an understanding of like how you see this playing out long term. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to have to work on that one. Okay, I'm good with this. I, I, I'm i excited for that conversation. I know, me too. Well, I think this is a great place to wrap. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Bossy. We will see you next week, same time, same place, right here in this beautiful pink set. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.